wanted to take a second and recognize my sponsors this week. You know, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage as Edge and List Group. That's a mouthful. It is. But guess what? It's a great opportunity. You know, you can build a big Amazon business. You don't need a lot of capital when you start. I mean, we all started, you know, um, most of us started selling books. And then you move into retail arbitrage. That is the place that you can turn your money the fastest in online arbitrage. And so by having that skill set, by learning those skill sets, you can get the best bang for your buck. And so Gay's group will help you learn online arbitrage. It's it's more than just a list service. They're going to give you a whole bunch of actionable inventory every single day, right? Monday through Friday. However, there's also a mentorship that goes on. And that mentorship is so important because sometimes it's great to know what to buy, but it's more important to understand why to buy it. But yeah, it's that you know, learning to fish or just getting fed. You know, you really want to learn because ultimately you want to strike it on your own. And this is a great way to do it. So how about seven days free trial? How about a free trial? Right. Very, very cool. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash is a mouthful. The word momentum. You got to use a hyphen and you put in the word arbitrage. So it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. And you're going to get a free trial in Gay's group. You got to tell her I sent you, right? I'll also have the link in the episode. But it's such a great opportunity. She is amazing, amazing. I'm in that group, so you'll see me there. An amazing, amazing person who's there to answer your questions, who's there to help lead you and help guide you. And that's what Gay does. She does it every single day. The testimonials are real. Go take a look. You will be blown away. And again, it's a free trial. I have the link on this episode. Reach in. You know, Seller Labs, uh, Jeff Cohen and the team, they have blown me away with this scope project. We use this all the time for our business. We do a lot of uh, private label. We also do a lot of wholesale and wholesale bundles, you know, or multi-packs, that kind of thing, which a lot of people do. But we use um, scope to help us figure out what are the keywords. And so it's really simple. You basically figure out where you're going to sell, what you're going to sell, what category, find that like product, find the top couple sellers and find their keywords. Boom, magic. There you go. You copy the best because it's working. And guess what? That's a proof of concept and scope allows you to do that. So it's sellerlabs.com forward slash scope, sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Use the code word momentum and you're going to get couple days free trial and you're going to save a little bit of money and you're going to get some free keywords. It's worth every penny. I'm in that group. Come and check me out. Sellerlabs.com forward slash scope. Again, use the word momentum. Solutions for e-commerce. Karen Locker. Great, great, great group. I've been using them for a long time. I guess it's over two years and I'm in there and I pay just like everybody else. Yes, she's a sponsor of my show, but she makes me pay and I got the same $50 discount that you can get. Oh, by the way, you're going to get that through my link and my link only. Oh, and you're also going to get the free inventory health analysis. Great way to start 2018. Get your inventory in line and Karen will help you do that. We use them for everything. I mean, basically, uh, you know, long-term storage fees coming up. Guess what? She'll evaluate, she'll make some recommendations, and I'll say, yep, check, 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 take these out, this, return, blah, 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 and magically it's done. I love it, love it, love it. I love the fact that they take and get rid of stranded inventory for me. I see it in there, and then next time I go in and it's gone. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Got an IP infringement? She's going to help you work your way through that. This is the kind of service that you get from Karen Locker. That's solutions for the number four e-commerce solutions for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum, right? So you got to forward slash momentum and you're going to save $50 a month. 600 bucks a year by just clicking that link. She pays me. I don't want to hide that. I never do. I'm always upfront about that. But it doesn't cost you anything additional. And you're going to get that inventory health report. The only way you get that is through my link. Solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 269, Dixon Lee Young. Very cool guy. Um, I was told, I did a little research on him, and they said, you're going to like his story. And I do like his story because his story is so similar to a lot of our stories, yet his life goals blow mine away. Um, He isn't going to want to just, you know, sell a bunch or live a great life or this and that. Uh, There's more to it. There's some depth there, and that's very cool. Um, I love his description. He's a digital nomad, meaning that he can live anywhere and has lived a lot of places. I think that's very powerful in today's day and age, especially for a younger guy, because that freedom is something that us older guys wish we had. And it's not, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my grandkids, and I want to be with them and near them. Yet, I also love that little adventure. I have that streak in me too. And uh, Dixon's living that life. And I think it's a very cool story. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Excited for today's guest from the great north. Um, although it's colder where I am than where he is today, because he's a digital nomad. Uh, I love that phrase. Can't wait to hear more about it. Dixon Leung. How did I do on the name? It was good. Okay, I was going to butcher it. I mean, I, there's a couple things. Wait till you hear the name of this Facebook group, guys. This will, uh, I know I'm going to mess it up, but I'm going to read it because I, I want to read it because it just sounds so fun. So uh, welcome, Dixon. Uh, really nice to have you on. Thank you, Stephen. It's nice I, to be talking to you. I appreciate you coming on. You are uh, a digital nomad. That means you move. How, I mean, how many times have you moved? You're a young guy. How many times have you moved so far? More than I can count. Really? Probably 15 or 20 times in my life. No kidding. I mean, is that, is there a thrill for you? Is it a desire? I mean, how does that come about? It's, it's, it was actually a necessity. Um, so I moved around a lot as a young child because of my parents. Um, they just like moving around a lot because of, um, the fact that we immigrated into Canada when I was young from where and then from Hong Kong. Okay. So my, my, background like way back i was born in canada and then i immediately went to hong kong uh, and i grew up in hong kong for the first seven years of my life so when i was seven i moved back to canada we immigrated to canada and we moved from house to house like city to city all over the place so well why why is that so why i mean was uh, your your family's you know employment so that they would move from place to place. I mean, what would what led to that? Um, 
my parents basically just wanted a better life for us. So we came into Canada. Um, History of it uh, was I was born here because my parents were scared of pretty much the Chinese government. Mm. So Hong Kong used to belong to Britain before uh, before I was born. And as a British um, territory, there was not much to fear because it was very westernized. Mm -hmm. But in 1998... Hong Kong went back to China. And through that, there was a lot of fear within Hong Kong of what would happen once China takes over. Was that fear because of, you know, your parents would have seen what happened way back or their parents would have seen what happened way back? And and it was stories that were more so than what they actually witnessed. Um, Both. Okay. Hmm. So... So that that whatever that was, that memory stayed with them, and they were that was enough for them to say, "Hey, you know, um, it's hard for a leopard to change its spots, right?" Even though they're probably saying, "Oh no, things are great." Sometimes it's hard exactly. to change. Yeah, hmm, interesting. So, so that's a big sacrifice that your parents made. I mean, that's not easy giving up everything and moving, especially with kids, and you know, basically giving everything up, right? If it sounds like when they came, they didn't have much. <laughs> well. They, they were entrepreneurs, um, hmm. so they had a business, and when they moved here, they still tried to run the business. Um, they're no longer in business today, but they had they, they didn't give up that much, essentially. Okay. In hmm. a sense, they were trying to be the digital nomads a little bit. So that's where that comes from. <laughs> is there is there something exciting about a new location? Is that is that part of it? Is it just that you know, the unknown and, and it's kind of, you know, thrilling. Yeah, there, there definitely is that, that part of it because when you go into a new place, you have to learn the entire culture again, hmm. you know, and it's, it's interesting because you, there, there's just so many things in this world that you're never going to see at all. Oh, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, when you stay at a place for a long period of time, I mean, I drive the same way to my warehouse every single day. I just can't, <laughs> I, I just don't deviate. You know, I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. And so what am I missing, right? I mean, that's really the point, right? And do you feel like, you know, uh, and we'll get into the e-commerce part and I want to get there, but I just want to make sure I get this out because uh, it's interesting to me is, do you feel like that you've experience so much more that had you not moved unteen times? I mean, it's a pretty stupid question, but I mean, are there anything that stands out for you that like, no way would I have ever seen this unbelievable waterfall or this launch of a spaceship or something goofy like that? Anything? Iceland, for sure. Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) Iceland is absolutely breathtaking. Like, but it, it, movie it looks like a sci-fi film and you're like this exists on our earth like how is this even possible really so that's a bucket list item now isn't it for, <laughs> for others anybody listening yes, it's like it is. sounds like iceland should be on the list it definitely is hmm. okay so you run an amazon business um from anywhere correct uh no limits no why why Amazon? Um, and we can get into how you got into it, but but I mean why that not digital marketing or why not uh you know vlog uh blogging, vlogging, writing, whatever, uh video. Why why not? To be honest, I just kind of stumbled into Amazon and 
now I'm trying to venture a little bit outside of just selling. Okay. But I, I haven't been in a real entrepreneur for that long, to be honest. I, I recently graduated school. And what was your degree in? Economics. And what were you going to do with that degree? And was that a parental insistent that she go to college or because they didn't want you to be an entrepreneur or was it you wanting to be something different? Um, I always kind of knew I was going to do something entrepreneurial, but I always thought the way to get there was go to university, get a job, you know, work my way up that corporate ladder, become some part of the C-suite one day. And then, like, when I'm 40, 50, 60, come out and do my own thing. Don't say 40 like it's old, dude. Now you're making me feel <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so a degree in economics would be what? I mean, what was that going to be for you? It wasn't. I, I basically chose economics because it was the quickest path to get out. So I started school um, with a double major, actually. When I went to school, I went mm-hmm computer science and finance. It was a double major degree from first year. And somewhere along the way, I realized I didn't want to go into computer science or finance. And I wanted to be out of school as soon as possible. And one of my only options was economics. One of, one of the only options that I had any interest in was economics. And, and it would accept most of the classes you had already taken and that kind of thing. So you didn't lose yeah. much. Okay. Um, so- what was it about computer science? Because this is interesting to me because my younger son was a computer science major and switched to a digital media major at a new school. Of course, he lost a year. It cost me money. But um, <laughs> what was it that wasn't attractive to you that you thought was uh, that it would be with computer science specifically? I, I, I want to um, – so I went to the University of Waterloo, which is one of the – top schools in computer science world and because it was the top school or one of the top schools it was super duper hard they pretty much every computer science kid was sitting in front of a computer coding seven days a week they like, loved that it was they loved it lived loved it, it breathed it yeah okay exactly and it was it was a way of life for for waterloo cs kids and that i hated it because I, I I do enjoy coding a little bit, but not to the point where I can sit there and type code for 10 hours a day, every day. You know, it's a powerful statement, what you just said, and I never thought about it, um, but it, I think it's it really astute that a, a top school in whatever field you're choosing, those people are going to be super nerds about it. Exactly. And so therefore, if you're not a super nerd about it, Think of a different option. You could go to the a similar school, you know, or a, a school that has the same major, and you go for that if that's not what they're known for, and it just doesn't fit well. They'll have much more options. Um, that because you're right. I mean, super nerds are going to go to. They're going to be led there, and that's cool for exactly. them. Exactly. Hmm. The, and these are like all Silicon Valley guys today. Interesting. I, I just think that's a, that's a very astute observation. I never thought about it. Um, it makes perfect sense when you said it, though. Hmm, I like it. Okay, so you were there. You changed it to economics to get out. Um, yes. All the meantime, now, you had an inkling. You had an urge. You had an urge to be an entrepreneur. Is that what yeah. – it just keeps going back? And is it back to your parents because – 
they had the freedom. They were able to kind of pick up and go. What was it driving you back? I, I think from a young age, I always really knew that I, I really like flipping stuff. So I, I love the the money, the arbitrage aspect of. Okay. There, there was a high there that I really like chasing. So, um, back in my childhood, I was a gigantic gamer. So in high school, I would be playing video games for like eight hours, ten hours a day. And what I found myself doing um, on video games is I would try to optimize all these ways of how to make the most um, in-game money. So almost every video game has some sort of in-game currency, and you can buy all types of stuff with it. And there are ways to, to earn that with by playing the video game. So what I would and wait, this to, is this is money that you earn in the game. This fake money, Bitcoin, this fake blah, money. yeah, fake coin, right? Bitcoin kind of money, and then yeah. you can sell that or transfer that to someone else. No, I wasn't even going there yet. Um, oh. I was just figuring, hey, if I can like kill this monster for an hour, I make gold. Right? Oh, wait, but wait, if wait, I... wait, wait, wait. I don't understand this. This is this is <laughs> this is not my generation. I clearly missed this. Okay. So you're playing this video game. Back in my day it yes. was Mario Brothers, this little silly game. All right, so you sure. play this video game and you earn prizes, which is fake money in your account. So you have an account, exactly. you earn fake money. Someone yep. pays you something on that somehow? No. Um so what I'm talking about is uh a genre of game called MMORPG, which is big open world games like the World of Warcraft. Okay. So in, in games like that, you have a lot of options of what you can do. So you can go kill monsters or you can go fishing, let's say. Or you can go craft different things. I, I know everybody under 20-something is like, Steve, you're so stupid. You don't understand it. This is completely news to me. So so you go kill things, and you can – you, it's not points you earn. Is that what it is in the game? Um, you, you can get money. You can get items. You can get okay, But this is all digital stuff. This is all digital. Okay, so this is not real. This is fake. Steve, still, yeah. so I'm with you so far. You haven't lost me, but I'm trying to understand. So you were your game was just to try to get the highest score or the most money in the game. Yes. And then what does that bring you? Prestige. Uh, Satisfaction. You know. it, okay. it means nothing. Okay. Okay. So it's like the top game back in my day. We're going to date myself. They used to have these little video games in the <laughs> arcade, and you always wanted to be in the top ten score. Yeah. Right. And so then you had it, and then you would walk in, and they'd be like, "Oh, there's Steve, the top down." Nobody ever said that. <laughs> Never happened. But okay. So that's what it is. Okay. So there's nothing more than prestige, self-satisfaction. Okay. I'm with you. Exactly. So okay. my point was, I would try and weigh whether or not kill was worth my time versus fishing uh, okay. in the game. So and the biggest yield. Me, exactly. And which one would net me more money. Okay. And then that that was the beginning when I was like eight or ten years old. That That's the kind of stuff I did. I get it. And that I was just up. natural to me. This happens when you hit that old age of 40, you start to slow down, you know, and so the <laughs> mental, so it takes me a little longer. Okay. So so you've gotten the the – 
the satisfaction of being number one, two, three, four, whatever it is, and you see that, and there's a way to do that. And if you pe- choose this path, it yields this potentially. But if exactly. I choose this one with more risk, therefore I can get a bigger reward. Okay. Exactly. All right. I get it. That's a, And that was at the age of eight? Yeah, something like that. No when kidding. When I first started gaming. Well, that's interesting. So we're training our kids that competitive. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. All right. So things <laughs> are going then- good. Yep. As I got older, I would sit in those same games and then buy items for other players and sell them for a markup. Okay, so, so now there is items. there is monetary transfers. Okay, so you can transfer something from one to another. Now, I think I have heard of something like this where yes, people can get a shield the, and sell it, right? Exactly. But we're talking about fake money still. Oh. This is still in-game currency. End-game currency. That's a term I've never heard. Okay. <laughs> So I would, you know, buy a shield for 10 gold and then sell it to someone for 15 gold. Nice. The exact same shield. And so you'd get that number one status and it didn't necessarily play the game. You played a different game, a Barbatrash. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay. All and right, I was I doing it. this when I was probably 12 or 13. Oh, Jesus, we're creating, and... we're creating uh, uh, criminals here by uh, video games. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. So I always had this knack for flipping stuff and I really enjoyed making money even though it meant absolutely nothing. Well, I'm sitting here thinking about this. Is this a um, this skill that you've developed? It's not a knack. It's a skill, it sounds like. It sounds like something you recognize value, you find a way. What, what allows you to sell it for more? Are you a salesman or are you just a good buyer? Or maybe both. I think I'm just good at developing systems to identify things like arbitrage opportunities. Okay. And we're going to hear that part come out later on again, aren't we? Yes. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So when I was in college, I um, identified an arbitrage opportunity while I was trying to buy uh, used textbooks. So anyone who's went to college knows that there are very expensive textbooks that you need to buy for your classes. And I saw there, there was a gap in the market of where you buy for cheaper and then sell it for more. Okay. And where were you buying them? This was Facebook groups. Okay. So this is, well, I mean, you've been out of school for a little bit. So Facebook groups are, that's relatively new. Yeah. Um, I started university in 2012. Okay, so that so would have been very new, ago. yeah, um, for Facebook groups. So you recognize early on, hey, this is a market that you can mine for opportunity. Exactly. So I saw the same textbook being sold for multiple price points, and I thought, hey, I can buy at the low <laughs> price point and sell at the high price point. This is the eight-year-old back to that again, aren't we? Yeah, we're right <laughs> back there again. Hmm. Yep. And so I started flipping textbooks. And this was in first year college, second year college. And where were you selling them? Were you selling them back on Facebook Marketplace or not Marketplace, Facebook groups then? Exact same group. Okay. So you'd buy it. Somebody would say, hey, I got one. And they didn't look at the value, whatever. They thought, hey, I get 15 bucks. I'm fine with it. And then you would sell it for 30 or 40 in the same group. Okay. Exactly. Love it. Um, So I started doing that for, for two or three years on the side. And then I, I really realized the opportunity was in uh, between semesters. So our school is year-round, and there's three semesters per year. 
And so I realized the real opportunity was um, right during exam time and after exam time, kids were leaving and they wanted to get rid of all their textbooks because they don't want to move all those textbooks back home. Right. And because the new semester kids haven't moved in yet, they weren't on campus. So they, no one was really buying textbooks. Right. They had no place was, to sell them. Exactly. So there, there was a lot of supply but no demand. So let me ask you this. So in Canada, um, and that's what we're talking about, this is Canada, correct? Okay, so in Canada, they don't have the little vans with the creepy guys with the balloons on the van, sell your textbooks, or the bookstore doesn't buy back textbooks, or kids are just too lazy to go waste their time on that? I've never seen the van. This is the first okay. time I've heard of You've that. You've never heard of this creepy van? They're all creepy. No. They're always creepy. <laughs> Everybody else is agreeing with me. They're shaking their head saying, I've seen the creepy van. And there's always a guy, It, you know, then this is really awful because there's going to be some people listening. There's some people that have vans and they're going to be like, Steve, that's not nice. I'm just playing. But it's like the guys are at the carnivals. They call them carnies that, that have the, you know, where you, you throw the ball and you knock down the little figure that never knocks down, right? Or you shoot out the dart those same guys drive vans and they buy books and they always hang balloons on the bumpers um and it's always kind of creepy um but those it, it, it to be fair they, those exist and there's some mega companies that do it and they send people out they, they used to and i'm not i think with the amazon venture i think it's become a little less prevalent but they would buy them literally for cash and usually i think if i remember correctly it was about 26 percent of market value and market value was one of those moving targets that people would use like a folet or somebody like that to get a price and they would say okay it's selling for so folet at 20 bucks and we'll give you 26 percent of that so five dollars and 20 cents that's basically what it was that's the math model um and then basically like you're saying they would hold on to it they would actually some of the larger companies would actually sand the edges and take the ink off clean the pages glue a page over writing stuff like that and then put them up for the next semester. So you did this on your own without the creepy van. I guess so. <laughs> ah, okay. And and the bookstore didn't have a big buyback plan or any no. of that kind of stuff? That oh, was interesting. a bookstore, but it was student-run, and it was co-assignment. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so there's no guarantee sale. No exactly. immediate cash. Exactly. And because of the co-assignment model, people didn't like waiting because textbooks depreciate very quickly. Yeah. Immediate cash always sells. Okay. All right. Cool. So you saw this opportunity. Boom. You know, now are we talking scale? I mean, were we talking like you're buying three or four textbooks between semesters? Or are we talking scale? We're talking about 40, 50 textbooks between every semester. So this is, this has now become some reasonable money. Yeah. Hmm. It was, it was like a couple hundred bucks, maybe like a thousand bucks. But profit. I mean, you're yeah, profit, you're yes. you're moving money, and now all of a sudden, that beats working in the uh, um, the local uh, hamburger joint, right? That a lot easier, um, a lot <laughs> safer, a lot cleaner, um, right? Not washing dishes. I don't know so. about safe, but <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, true. I guess there is a little bit of uh, jeopardy. Any of those stories happen to you? Anything that you thought, oh my gosh, I should be in here? No, no, no. I 
I meant safe as in it was a risky business. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you meant uh, like safety for your personal safety. safety, Because I have bought some stuff. I bought from a lot of different people. And there are a few times I'm thinking, I probably shouldn't be in here right now. You know, I probably really want to pay and get out of here. They don't realize (laughs) how much money I have in my pocket, you know. Okay. All right. So so that goes along and that seems to work. Did you do it more than one semester? Yes. Okay. I did it for four semesters. So this is a proven business model for you. Yes. Hmm. Does that lead you to Amazon, or what was the epiphany about that it you could even sell them for else. more money? Oh, okay. <laughs> so I realized um, textbooks was a lot of work because mm-hmm. it was heavy, and I was making 10 or $20 on each one. And the time it took for me to meet up with all these people one by one to buy and sell, it just wasn't worth that much. It wasn't worth my time. I could be making more money. So what I thinking about was what can I sell that has more margin, essentially, because I had the cash flow. I had the capital to, to buy something expensive. I just needed something where I make you know, $50 per sale. So it was worth mm-hmm. my time to go in and meet these people. You did learn something, didn't you? <laughs> Economics <laughs> was good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Um, so I, I ventured into cell phones. So I started flipping used cell phones and it was, it started off being the exact same thing on Facebook groups, flipping to and from students. It was a, it was a thing that everyone needed. And I was looking at about 200 bucks, 300 bucks here, like, and I was making like 50 bucks per cell phone. So, so it was less time and it was better margins. So, but conceptually it's the same business model. That you exactly. just moved over, you just moved up, and that's a real pro tip right there. Um, that if you're selling, you know, there's nothing wrong with making a dollar or two per item, um, but once you start scaling, and in order to scale, you just have to sell a ton more at a dollar. But if you sell them at ten dollars profit, it's a lot. You know, you can divide that by ten, right? I mean, so this is a good exactly. simple model. But you have this practice. Okay, cool, very cool. Well, um, that sounds a little more sketchy, though. I mean, at least yes. in today's world, uh, <laughs> there's some, you know, people steal phones and all kinds of crazy things, right? Yeah. So that is true. But I worked. I was doing like two hundred dollar, three hundred dollar, four hundred dollar range, and for for most of that, it was okay. Because mm-hmm. once you get start getting into the higher dollar amounts, then you get people coming to meetups with like a knife or like oh, a Jesus. gang of people. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so I I stayed in the lower end so to avoid things like that from happening. Mm-hmm. And I moved on to Craigslist. The Canadian version of Craigslist is called Kijiji. Okay. But it's essentially the same thing. And I was meeting up with people all over the city to do this now. And and this is which city? Toronto? This was Waterloo. Waterloo. Okay. So this is, I mean, is, is Waterloo a big city? No, it's a college town. Okay. So college town. Okay. So you're dealing with a lot of college students then and yes. relatives say, okay. All right. And um, at the time, because I'm from Vancouver and I went to, I'm going to school in Waterloo, I have absolutely no connections there. And I had I didn't have a car and I had a license but I didn't have a car. So what I ended up doing was I had to rent a car <laughs> half my I, I scheduled my day so I would start at like six or seven in the morning, rent a car, 
go pick up and self and drop off phones all day. So I would go from seven in the morning until like eight or nine at night. And I'd just be meeting up with people. How many transactions would you have? 20. No kidding. Dude, that's a real hustle. I mean, that is, uh, you know, from an organization point of view. I mean, so I think about the things that you've learned, right? So you already have a business model that is proven. You have a concept buy low, sell high. You found a market, obviously. You've you've upgraded in market from Facebook to Kijiji. Yes. Um, and then you've learned how to schedule and how to work um, individual. I mean, it's a pretty impressive now little venture um you're learning a lot more there than you are in college my friend <laughs> exactly it's the truth i mean that's the real truth it is hmm. okay so so <laughs> renting a vehicle is pretty cool um and uh this nomad thing again not owning a car i like it all right <laughs> so uh you you've scaled up now you're making probably some serious money now what do you do with all this cash goes into the bank. Okay. I, I hold on to about two grand. Okay. I did at the time. So I, I would always have about two grand cash on me. And because it was coming like going on and coming back in, like it was just turning, right? And anything Oh, because you would be out for twenty appointments, you're buying and selling at the same time. So, you know, you might buy the phone and, and literally exactly. sell it within a day or two. Okay. Cool. I like it. And then from there I went onto eBay and I started selling phones on eBay instead. Okay, and this is eBay Canada. eBay Canada. And okay. Which meant that I only had to go out once to the post office and I was done. So one of the things that you're describing I think is a very, and again, I don't know if you mean to lead me here, but I think it's very powerful again, is I call them touch points. Every time you touch something, there's a cost, yes. time or money. And so by A, documenting your touch points, just calling them what they are. Yep. acknowledging them, then you can go and try to refine that. And what you just described is a way to reduce your touch points because your market is so much larger. You make one trip instead of 20 a day. And exactly. I think that's a very, very powerful uh, power. Again, you're learning more outside of school than you are in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I was still driving renting a car driving but now i only have to pick up phones i didn't have to go deliver mm -hmm. and sell phones no, so i i did you run I, into fraud i mean did you run into people trying to scam you that kind of thing and if so how'd you handle that i didn't run into anyone trying to rob me um, okay that's a good thing that's <laughs> check no one, one. <laughs> no one really had it be like fake money or fake phones or anything but mm -hmm. I did run into a lot of um, blacklisted phones, which meant they couldn't be used. Because what? what why, was, why would a phone be blacklisted? So if it was reported stolen or okay. if uh, it came with a plan. I don't know if you have this in the U.S., but in Canada, you can get a, uh, a more expensive plan and they'll give you a free phone. If you sign on for two years or something. Yeah, I, they, they used to. I'm assuming they still do. Um, they might still have that around here. Yep. Okay. So in Canada, it's very popular. And some people do this. Uh, they, they sign on and get a phone and then they stop paying the bill. Mm. So that gets blacklisted. Um, I think that's about it. That makes sense, though. Okay. Or it's stolen, like you said. One of yeah, those two. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so you run into those. Yeah. And how and did you test that up front? How did you know that? There, there are databases online which you can type in a number. No kidding. And they'll tell you. 
but that's cool. A lot of this was it happened afterwards, and I was stuck with a with a brick essentially. Okay, so that did you did get taken a few times. Yes. Okay. But cost of business. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> it's a returns, right? I mean, that's just part of the business. Okay. All right, and so then, you're selling on eBay and things are going well. You've clearly found a way to move more. Has this started to scale again now, the fact that you've picked up more time? Yes. It mm. it, it didn't scale that much more. I just did it for less. I put less time into the So you gain time. Okay, that's cool. That's valuable. Yeah. Um, and then after a couple months on eBay, I... I was like, hey, I wonder if I can sell these cell phones on Amazon, add another channel. And then the short answer is no. But <laughs> upon okay. researching that, I found the the thrifting model and the retail arbitrage model. Now, how did you research it? Is that YouTube? Is that Facebook groups again? Um, and what year was this? This was 2016. Okay. And so where did 20- you start finding out about that? Google and YouTube. Okay. I I had no idea Facebook groups existed at the beginning. For that, right? You used them years ago for local, I assume, right? Right. But not specific to FBA or even eBay and stuff like that. Okay. Well, that's cool. All right. And that's interesting to hear that people in 2016 didn't know that these groups exist. They still don't know these groups exist, which is interesting. Okay, so who was who is some of the people that made an impression upon you enough to say, hmm, I like what they're doing? Any names remember back then? Um, there, there was this guy, his YouTube channel is called Project Life Mastery. Okay, I think um, I follow that guy. Um, I, I forget know. his name. Stefan, Steven, yeah. Stefan, something like yep. that. Yep. Um, Cody Hawk, I remember yep. his name. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy named Michael Pierce, I believe. he did okay. a lot of video games, Okay. but upon following these YouTubers, I realized that, you know, there, there is something here. Like I can make real money doing this. Hmm. And this was because, because the power of FBA is now I have zero touch point, right? <laughs> I just ship it all and all, it's all done. So so you weren't attracted to the eBay model because you'd already done it and you realized that there's still work involved, right? Creating the listing, packing exactly. it, shipping it, dealing with customer service, all that kind of stuff. Then you find the FBA and you're like, wait a second, I can get exactly. rid of almost all those points. <laughs> Love it. But I had to reinvent a completely new uh, product line because you cell phones wouldn't fly mm-hmm. on Amazon. What were the things that you thought of, I mean, immediately? What was the stuff? I mean, did you think about going back to books or did you think of, uh, I mean, was there something that it didn't work out that you said, oh, maybe I can, like cell phones, I can do this? I thought of books. That, that was that was the first. Okay, so that was it. So back, back to, to your it. point, because that really does solve a lot of the problem with textbooks, right? The urgency, the immediate the immediacy, right? As you exactly. said, they go down in value or there's a timing issue. Um, did you think you still had a market opportunity to buy uh, because of that arbitrage, because people are leaving and then they're not buying again for a few months? 
Can you explain what you mean? Do you get what I mean? So, I mean, did you did you go back to in your mind and say, "Hey, I wonder or I'm sure my uh, the thing that I did in the past, which was I bought them at the end of a semester." Yes. And then I sat on them for a little bit of time, and then I sold them. Is that where you immediately went to? I can go and redo this again. No, actually, I um, because of all these YouTube channels, I figured out that what retail arbitrage was okay. and because of that i my mind went to uh thrifting so i mixed retail arbitrage with textbooks so textbooks you would be buying at thrift stores exactly and retail arbitrage you would be buying where no no no, no. i i saw the retail arbitrage model that people were talking about from youtube channels but okay. i've never heard of the thrifting model but then I, I use my experience with textbooks to say, hey, where can I find cheap textbooks to resell? And I okay. immediately thought about thrift stores. Oh, okay. All right. So you, okay, so you weren't looking at thrift stores. You weren't watching thrift store people saying that exactly. they buy books and that. Okay. And in Canada, are there a lot of thrift stores? There are a couple. Okay, and in a college town, they would be probably would have a lot of books and a lot of clothes. Those would be yes. the two things that I would think a lot of. Okay, um, so you go to the thrift store, and did you have success? Yes, because I started scanning stuff from day one, hmm. and I started selling them. Stuff started selling. Well, and I this is Amazon.ca. Correct. Okay. And I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I I think. For the first two months, 90% of the stuff I bought just sat, never sold. And it was this, and this was in Canada's FBA, where right. there are fewer, or at least there were, fewer warehouses. Where were you sending your stuff from Waterloo to? Um, mostly to the Toronto warehouse. It was in Brampton. And how far is that? About an hour drive. Okay, so not terribly far. Okay, no. all right. So it got not there pretty quick. Um, and so, and I, from what I understand, and we can talk about Beaver in a little bit, but from what I understand from him that it's a little slower, or at least it used to be Amazon because it wasn't as prevalent there, uh, to get, to, to sell. Was that your experience too? I mean, or do you yes. think that it's just, okay. So you think that was a reason? Okay. All right. So, um, well, I was making bad buys. That's, okay. that's, so that, that, that's straight better. up truth, but yeah, okay. Amazon.ca is a lot slower than Amazon.com. Did you think about sending your stuff to Amazon.com at that point? Was that even on your radar? It it was on my radar, but I was finding enough success with .ca that I was happy with. Okay. So I didn't look into it for a really, really long time. There are barriers, right? Is that part of it Correct. too? That yeah, and so it's like, yeah, I'm doing fine. Why do I even want? Okay, and that's pretty common, I think. Um, is that something looking back that you would change, having to do it again, knowing what you know? Would you go to the U.S. earlier? No, I okay. I was one of the the people that falling on CA for a long time, and I still do. Um, with Canadians, the, the vast majority of the people I interact with, 90% of their model is sending to the U.S. Right. But for me, I still sell about 50% on Canada, even though it's, it's much slower. 
Is it still books majority of what nope. that 50%? Okay. All right. Nope. So you moved out of that because I was thinking that would be a weight issue sending them to the U.S. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I don't want to cut you off there. Go ahead. Um, so books are going well. You're selling on .ca. And at this point, you're still in school? Yes. Okay. And so books are going well. And then I started flipping other things in the thrift store. So I started doing electronics, um, use electronics. And I quickly realized that no one was really buying a lot of stuff. Use electronics on Amazon.ca. So I went back, which was local. And I had people come pick up electronics from where mm. I was living. So you still got the benefit of, you know, uh, buying and selling. You went when you went to the used electronics selling locally, it's obviously a thinner market. Um, did you just have to get smarter in what you were buying to sell? I mean, to identify the market? Because I'm sure some stuff you bought just didn't sell. Yes, but the, the electronics market is um, very different because electronics are so expensive. Mm -hmm. And then at a thrift store, they're like five bucks. Right. So even if I marked it up to 20 or 30, it, it would fly off the shelf because people wanted cheap electronics. Okay. So as long as it worked and, you know, there was... Yeah, the price was, was low enough. And you were selling this on Kijiji again? Yes. Okay. All right. Or Facebook groups or yep. what have you. Okay. All right. So that went on for how long? Five months. And okay. then, And then eventually um, in about... August. So I started in April. So in four months in August, I stopped going to thrift stores and I started doing retail arbitrage. So going to big box stores. And what were you going to buy there? And, and A, how did you find out about that? Well, I always had my mind set on that because the YouTube channels all talked about retail arbitrage. They didn't talk about thrifting. Okay, well, and so they were going to end caps of Target scanning and saying, oh, my God, I just made $8 billion, you know, exactly. buying this Lego set. Yeah, okay. Is that Was that your immediate experience? You were immediately able to find $8 billion worth of Lego sets? <laughs> of course not. Of course I, not. <laughs> I got very overwhelmed, and I surprisingly ran to capital issues. That was a real, dude. You're one of the few to admit it. Yes, those are real. It is overwhelming. There's so much yeah. there, and you can spend a lot of money very quickly buying a hundred of an item and selling four, and then you got ninety six and all your money tied up, right? Yes, I was I was buying two or three of of something that I thought was an amazing find, and I would have I would buy like you know twenty items at a time, twenty SKUs, mm -hmm. two or three deep, and after a couple of days, I was out of money. And and you're on that cycle getting paid every two weeks, correct? From yes. Amazon? Okay. And so you gotta wait a long time for your money. Not everything sells. Exactly. Ooh. So how do you dig out of that? Um I I You borrowed money. Less. Come on. Do you borrow money? You use credit I, cards. I did use credit cards, but I, right. because of my young age I don't have um, a lot of credit. So I had credit cards. One was 500 bucks and one was 1000 Okay. So there, there wasn't any money to, to use from credit cards. Like I didn't have that much room. Do you think, I mean, 
that's probably a good thing. Looking back, could you have went crazy? Knowing your personality like you do, be honest, could you have went crazy and maybe caused a real problem if you had access to twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on your credit cards? Um be honest. Maybe. I, I probably would have gotten myself in trouble. Okay. But so, I, I had people in my life to bail me out. So so let's give some advice to somebody who's young who's listening to this. Um, because your story is pretty similar to most people's story, right? You go into it, you see these guys, ladies say, oh my God, this is the best business ever, right? There was a one person scanning in Kohl's in the aisles, like, I can't believe this. I'm going to make a million dollars. And, uh, Kohl's kicked them out and simultaneously blocked everybody from going there for a while. Um, what's the reality, um, that you can make bad decisions. It's very easy to make bad decisions. You will make bad decisions. You can rationalize a lot of stuff, can't you? Yes. And so what's the advice you give for those new sellers who are thinking this and saying, man, I would, I, I want to be like Dixon and have a digital life, uh, nomad lifestyle. It sounds very attractive to me. I can, I'm not location <laughs> independent. Um, however, there's some caveats. Could you help somebody right now in, in maybe things that you did that you wouldn't do again or something you would counsel that younger seller? I would say if you're starting in retail arbitrage, slow down on your buying because you want to figure out what works and what doesn't work. So I would say with the capital you have, whatever that number is, take about 50% and try to buy one or two of 50 things or 100 things. And then go back, wait till, wait like a month see what sells, and then start trying to figure out why that sold. And That's then a take discipline, the other though. 50% and go buy that. Are, are Canadians more disciplined than Americans? I mean, because we're not very disciplined. I mean, myself I included, I'm guilty uh, as charged. I mean, uh, if there's a, as you mentioned, there's a thrill. There's a thrill of the hunt. There's a, it's exciting. So to be able to buy the what you're describing and then sit for a month, man, I don't <laughs> I don't know if I have that personality. I don't know how many true entrepreneurs who love to roll the dice, you know, have that personality. That's a real serious discipline. Ooh. Maybe wait two weeks then. <laughs> okay. But, well, it's just, it, it's real. It's fair. I mean, it, I think it's very good advice. But, man, that's tough. So by waiting, what do you expect to happen? I mean, what would be the, the, the good outcome from waiting that month? It's... It's collecting data and then it's, it's trying to throw darts on the board and see what sticks, you know, which, okay. which one's going to hit the bullseye. And then you, you have to collect enough data that you, when you go back and analyze that data, you can pinpoint what was working and then you just do more of that. And you do more of that and what wasn't working and what working is relative, right? So yes, it means that it might have sold, but you didn't make any money or you didn't make enough money right? We're back to you making your decision, right? Do I go fishing or do I go kill a monster? Exactly. That's the decision point, right? And that's, a, a, I remember in my grad school, it was a decision tree, you know, this way, then this, right? And so what you're describing is, you know, evaluate each, figure out what gave you the biggest reward, and then do more of that. Hmm. 
I think that's sound. I, I think the month is the right advice. I don't think it's two weeks. I think it is the month. But man, that's a discipline. And I think I'm going to start adopting that. I think that's a very strong way to say that. Hey, buy, sit for a month, <laughs> evaluate, then adjust, buy again. Now, your second month, you're buying a much more uh, educated buy, right? Exactly. Fair? Fair. Very like fair. It. I like it. I like it. And so then you, you, is your advice again to wait another month then or, you know, fine tune it again? I didn't, <laughs> but. Oops. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. You'll hear that. Your parents have said that to you. Do as I say, not as I do. But um, I would say on anything new that you buy, then yes, you should wait at least two weeks. But if you're buying the same things and you see them selling very quickly, then why wait? Right, right. Have you, I mean, you've tried the time to market, I'm sure. And that's a place you can really make some mistakes. Buying sandals to sell in December generally doesn't work, unless they're going down. I mean, there are people that are warm down in the you know Caribbean. But generally, the market isn't in the Caribbean. It's here in the U.S. And so you really want to, to, to time things. Have you had success in timing the market? Is that another place that you've adjusted? I actually don't do anything seasonal. Except, except when I first got into textbooks and I realized the textbook peak periods. Other than okay. that, I don't do anything seasonal at all. Um, I'm a huge data nerd, so I just look at the data. I look at keeper charts, and that's the only piece of – well, that's a very important piece of data where I make a lot of my decisions off of. So you're not a, a scan-by-the-hip type anymore? No. How long did it take you to get to that place? I mean, you've only been selling for a couple of years. So, I mean, it, in, in fairness, you know, a long-time seller is going to be like, come on, Steve. I mean, he's only been selling for it. But, but in real, reality, you know, it's like dog years. Um, they're fast today. Yeah, um, I think very, very quickly. Because the first thing I ever sent to Amazon, I scanned it. Right? I, I got profit banned at day one. Right. And you, I started you know no different then. Okay. Exactly. You know no different. Hmm. That's another solid piece of advice. So we're going to wait. We're going to be patient. We're going to fine-tune, fine-tune, but we're going to analyze. Yeah. So looking now where you are today, you're a full-time seller. Correct. And you want to branch off into some other things, and we can talk about that in a second. Um, looking back, would you do anything different? And, and that's okay that no— because a, you're going to make the mistakes. They're just going to be different mistakes. So even the, if you could not make the mistakes that you made, you would have made different ones. So I don't think that's really where I was going. It's more like, would I have gone faster? Would I have gone slower? Would I have taken? Would I have networked faster? Would I have gotten coaches, mentors, or go to events or what? What I mean, anything? Um, two things come to mind. One was mm -hmm. move out of my room because I was doing this from student housing which meant the only space I had was a 50 square feet, 100 square feet room with my bed and my desk and everything, right? So you and, could have lived in, in an off-campus apartment and made enough money plus to cover the difference, right, the VIG between that, and then had the facilities to be able to process? Exactly. I, I did live in an off-campus uh, student housing, but it was designed like a dorm room, so it was very, right. very small. And because of 
the way I was doing RA, I was renting a car from day till night, right? And because of that, I came back with like two or three car loads and my entire would be filled from the floor to the roof everywhere. Oh my God, it's going to be great. <laughs> Your roommates must have been like, what is this dude doing? Yeah, my roommates knew, but yeah, um, yeah, they were good friends. So they knew what I was doing and they didn't really mind it. All right, but you would move out faster. Okay. I would I would have gotten uh out some sort of space. So whether that be, you know, the room another room down the road or uh like a storage locker or, you know, maybe like look into a sharing a warehouse space or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I would have gotten myself more space. I think that's a big one. So let me let me drop a tip here too, and I remember this. Um that uh, there's a couple people have mentioned this. One is use a UPS store. Some UPS because UPS stores are independently owned. Some will sometimes allow shared space if you have a relationship with them. Sometimes there have been sellers that have gone and processed at those stores. Um, and then the other thing, as you mentioned, is you can partner up with a, an existing warehouse and maybe rent a little space per hour or what have you. Matter of fact, a friend for yesterday told me a story of a food broker in town that will allow him to receive pallets there, and then he just goes and picks up his pallets there. So those oh. relationships uh, can exist, and you do have other options. It's not necessarily... Dixon wasn't talking about going to rent his own warehouse and build, you know, with all the whole big thing, but there are other options. So I think that's a good, that's a good message. Okay. That's yeah. one. What else My, would you do different? Um, I would go to conferences. Okay. A lot sooner. Well, let's talk about that because I think that's a great segue and I wanted you to get to it because you, um, <laughs> I do have to read this name. Um, okay. So, so, uh, you know, I don't want to lose this, um, because it's, it's, it's funny, but it's real and I get it. Um, I get what it is, but this is the name of the Facebook group, Canadian Amazon FBA prime seller community with Dong, Dang and Dixon. <laughs> You got to repeat that five times real fast, or you could go to Prime Seller Community and search that, and you can also see it. Um, but it's a group, and there are—I am now a member. There are eleven hundred and should be ninety-nine. Let me see if it updated for me, and it should have. There are eleven hundred and come on, reload. I see twelve hundred and twelve on my. Wow! So you gained fourteen while we were talking. Um, I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> uh, well, it, from when I went on this morning. So anyway, so uh, there's over 1,200 members, and these are Canadians. And yes, Beaver is in there. We all know Beaver, Brian Viano. <laughs> uh, he is there, and um, he is he's our he's our token Canadian uh, who we all love. Chris Green's a Canadian too, but he doesn't say that much. But Beaver still lives the dream in Canada, and you know Beaver, and you have Beaver stories. But you um, that community is free. Um, they just want to make sure you're real. So they ask you a couple of questions. Um, is it mostly talked about amazon.ca at this point or like you've seen where most sellers sell in the U S? Um, most sellers do sell in the U S so there, there are conversations that pertain to both, uh, mm-hmm. both platforms, but those conversations have really haven't been that prevalent because, it's more like an Amazon group in general, more than whether you're on CA or .com. The same okay. principles apply. 
Right, and they really do, and especially as it becomes more and more prevalent um, with yes. Amazon everywhere. Okay, so let's talk conferences because you, as you kind of said, is that you've been selling and you're selling full-time, but you're branching out into others. So you and Dang um, are putting on a conference called Great North Ecom.ca, right? So the Great North Ecom uh, Conference, and it is February 24th through the 25th in 2018 in Red Rose Convention Center. This is in Toronto? This is in near Toronto. This near is the next Toronto. city over right by the airport. Okay, so right by the airport, Red Rose Convention Center, February 24th and 25th of 2018. So a little bit of time. And um, let's talk cost because I just want to get it out of the way. So the cost is $297 if you register by January 21st. That's the yes. early bird price. This is if Canadian not, dollars. So Canadian dollars, which don't ask me to do the math because I'm not doing the math. I know it's more expensive. So $297. Um, you get a regular seat, a swag bag, a raffle ticket. What I like about this, and I think this is a good point because it fixes some of the problems of some conferences, free breakfast, lunch, and snacks. And then you have an open bar, which scares me to death uh, for you. Um, I'll follow up with you afterwards to see how that went. But it's uh, uh, for $297. And if you use the code Momentum, Steve does not benefit in one bit. Uh, you save 50 bucks. So if you go and register, and I'll have the link um, for, or you can go to Great Northern, Great, Great North, North Ecom. Ecom. I knew I was going to say it. GreatNorthEcom.ca. <laughs> Make sure it's .ca. When you register, if you use the code Momentum, you will get $50 off, even off of that early bird, which is very awesome for my listeners. But that's only till January 21st. And again, Steve doesn't personally benefit other than hopefully you guys have an awesome conference, which I'm very excited because I know a bunch of your speakers. So let me just get a couple of these names out here. So uh, Chris Potter, great guy, knows a tremendous amount about growing a massive business and losing a massive business and then re- growing a smart business. Um, not that he wasn't smart because he's very smart, but it was just, I just love his story. Chris Grant, who I just had on again, um, and I love his story about evolving and learning. And he calls little Nate um, McAllister his mentor. And I think that's so cool. Um, um, Tyler let Nelson. Let me just interrupt you. Um, go. We have Nate McAllister as a speaker. Oh, the it mentor himself. Tomorrow, I believe. Uh, that means it's going to be interesting. There will be drinks on the podium. I guarantee you uh, that will happen, but in a good way because Nate Nate has a lot to offer. And what I still appreciate is Chris saying that Nate, who's younger than him, is his mentor. And I just think that that's um, his phrase of entrepreneur, entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur. Tyler Nelson, smart kid. Oh, my God, he's a kid too. Ashlyn had my insurance lady and she is awesome she knows a lot some other speakers that i don't know rob cosman who i want to get to know because i like his story the fact that he's in costa rica uh running his business with ecom accounting um very powerful so it's a pretty full venue um professionally catered uh location that centers 15 minutes from toronto's airport so that makes it really easy um so i'm very excited about that you got a bunch of testimonials out there on the website um, and so again, greatnorthecom.ca, use the code momentum and you're going to save 50 bucks, but you got to get in early, uh, January 21st is the cutoff for the early bird. And so this is out just before then. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I think 
your your point about going to conferences is spot on because the things that you learn from other sellers who have already experienced what you've done or what you're about to do is the most powerful thing in the world. Expand on that a little bit. Um, there, there are just so many sellers who attend conferences that have already made the mistakes that you have made and they would love to talk to you and help you through um, we we have a the, the FBA world is a very weird community in that we're all competitors, but we all love helping each other. Mm. And all all of our speakers, all of our our group members, we we live for helping other people. That's that's what we do. It's um. Wait, what what I what I find. And and I'll add something. First off, the fact that it's uh, the first is this the first Canada Canadian one? Yes. Okay, so it's the first Canadian one. So I think it's gonna you're gonna get exposed to a whole bunch of other people who have no clue that there are Facebook groups with all these things, and yet they've been selling for years and have incredible stories. You're gonna get to meet them face to face, and there's something about meeting somebody face to face. Next time I have a question, I feel comfortable calling Nate McAllister or sending him a note. Hey, Nate. Yes. Would you give me some advice? And he's like, oh, of course, Steve, you know, because we've had dinner together, we've had a drink together, whatever it is, I got to shake his hand. That relationship is there. It's now not just a Facebook relationship. It's it's that plus. And so those things happen. And it's it's that, you know, it kind of, it speeds up the education process because there is a learning curve here, isn't there? Of course, there's a gigantic learning curve. I still don't know everything there is to know about Amazon. Not even close. Me neither. And hence the reason I have the podcast and I talk to great sellers like yourself. So uh, this uh, this conference, um, it's February 24th and 25th. Again, you have till the 21st to register. And, you know, I mean, let the speakers speak for themselves. I mean, you know, Nate, if you haven't seen Nate and Chris, if they do it together, it's even better because they play off of each other. But it's very powerful when they start explaining other ways that they use, uh, that they make money and different things. It starts to expose you even further and you start to see other options. And then you have some a great seller, Tyler Nelson, who's a kid who's selling millions um, and yet he just has an attitude about it. He lives a kind of a, a nomad lifestyle too. He's traveling forever and he has incredible success. And so I just think that's great. All right. So I'm going to put these links out on my website. I'm going to put that crazy link for that crazy Facebook group um, out there. Um, so you could find it. Um, just come to this episode to find it. So let's do this Dixon. Cause I, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of questions I didn't get to, um, so I want to, I'm going to follow with two final questions. One okay. is, what drives you at this point to be successful? And then the second thing I'm going to ask you to close with is a tip or trick that you think people can come and put into their business to help them grow. And I guess I should qualify this too. Is that I want to be able to put a link that if somebody has a question for you to follow up. Is it okay if I put your Facebook contact yep, there? of course. Okay, so I'll do that. And then I'll have links to the... Prime Seller Community, which is the shortened version for the Facebook group, and then I'll have links for the conference. And I hope, I mean, I, I hope you have a, a successful conference because, again, you're going to change a whole bunch of people's lives by exposing them to other sellers who are going to solve problems that they're facing right now that they don't even know, and they're going to be like, "Oh, I've been doing it this way. You mean I can just do this?" Ching, you buy exactly. time. 
immediately as uh, Mitchell Lip or Harvey Specter always says, buy time. And, okay, and so the, for the conference ahead. where it follows our community value, um, our community, we, we don't have any affiliate links. We don't do any pitches, nothing. We're just there to help you. That's so it's it. a no pitch conference. No, it's a no pitch Facebook group. And the conference will be similar. Okay. It'll, it'll be, you, you'll have sponsors, though. You do exactly. have some sponsors. Okay, so they're there. Um, okay, all right. So so there are somebody's going to help underwrite some of the cost. Okay, and that's fair. Okay. All right, and, and uh, go we're, ahead. we're not even trying to make money off the conference. We just want to get it out there, give back to the Canadian sellers, and give them a place to learn, to gather, and to share all this good information about how to succeed. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's... It's it, this leads right into your next question, which is what drives me is legacy. Oh, interesting. I I'm a huge um, Gary V fan, mm-hmm. and if you know anything about him, it's it's legacy. Um, to like straight up, you're gonna die one day. So, what do you want to be remembered by when you're 90 and you're sitting on your deathbed? What are you gonna regret? So what do you want to be remembered by? I I mean if it was the the inscription <laughs> going on your gravestone, what is it going to say? I mean what would it what would be the cool thing for it to say? And it could be long. I don't I don't know. I don't care. For me, I'm going to go completely left field on you. Um my life's mission is to advance humanity. And to do that, I don't need any recognition, but I for, I, I believe, if you believe in science, um, climate change is real and it's going to kill us all. So um, I want to help humanity fight this problem somehow. And if I can help humanity survive one more day, then, my, then I've done my job. Mm-hmm. So Amazon is not what I want to do. This is just a starting point, right? This is my first entrepreneurial venture. Um, I, I want to do some of the things um, Elon Musk does. He's a big inspiration to me. He, he, he's all-time um, pro-human. He just wants to survive, and that's I want to go down that same path eventually. And he's been told it won't work, it won't work, won't work. All his stuff exactly. he's been told it won't work. And yet he still does it. <laughs> And he's not listening to anybody. That's really you? That's that's where I want to be. Hmm. And I don't care what goes on my gravestone because it's not about the recognition. All right. Dude. And you know what? I was looking for something to close to help people move forward. I think you just did it. <laughs> I think that's the perfect place to end. I think it's exactly – I think it's, it. you know, it's not a – um, not pie in the sky anymore, right? The things that weren't available to us are all right now available to us. The fact that you can launch a business without any, without touching a product ever, you know, right from your living room and you can make purchases from around the world and use that money to help other people today is so, it's just such a cool place to be. Okay, so I'm going to have links for all this stuff. Um, I'll have links for you so people can follow up. I'll have links for the community. I'll have links for your conference. Um, I'm going to meet you face-to-face one of these days. We'll have that beer, and we can sit down and have a conversation. But I do appreciate, you know, no, I appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're trying to do because I get it. You're trying to affect 
humanity. I love it. Okay. Hey, thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Take care. Great episode. Great guy. And man, I hope uh, you're thinking about if you're in Canada, especially, or even up north, and you're looking to go um, to a conference, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a great event. And again, for that price, uh, $50 off. So for 250 bucks, and they're feeding you for a couple of days. That's valuable, right? You, then you get to stay on premise. You get to, to sit with people. And really, you got to take advantage of it. You can't go and sit in the back of the room and not meet people. I try to make it a point to meet every single person at, at these events because I think it just it makes my life that much better, you know. And I just get to meet so many more people, and you get such depth from them all, and it's just such a wonderful thing. So uh, again, I have all the links on this episode, um, and save the fifty bucks. That's awesome. Uh, use the code Momentum. Save fifty bucks. I hope uh, I hope they sell a ton of them, and yet. You get to meet a ton of people and grow your business. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at EcommerceMomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.